0: Hello, SYNGAP land. My name is Michael Gralia, and this is episode 84 of SYNGAP 10, your 10-minute briefing on everything you need to know about SYNGAP 1. I'm going to jump right in because we have a lot to get through. We are having our big science meeting on December 1st, which is Thursday. That is in two days. That is in two days. I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. I'm going to fly to Nashville. We have science meeting on Thursday, family meeting on Friday, AAS on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Monday, I'm flying to DC, whole other health summit with Milken. Then I get to come home on, I think, Wednesday and I get to sleep for a while. Thank goodness. But there's so much good stuff happening. I just want to get through that before we go into meeting and go to Singapalooza because there's so much cool stuff. I just have to, I just have to tell you about it. And the way I want to frame this podcast is impatient optimism is the appropriate feeling for this moment, right? But until now, I feel like we've been really dealing in the hope space. We've been like, things are going to get there. Things are going to get better. Be hopeful, hang in there. And now I think we should be like, are we there yet? I feel like we should go from the hope business to the impatient optimism business because Things are getting real, my friends. Let me just let me just rattle off what's top of mind for me right now so you can see how real things are getting. So first of all, even though there's all those meetings I just mentioned, there's another meeting right now called Targeting Epilepsy. It's happening at St. Jude. Um, on our Scientific Advisory Board, Dr. Heather Mefford is at St. Jude as part of the group there that is getting into pediatric uh, neurology. So as you, you probably know that St. Jude is famous for their work in pediatric cancer, but they're getting into pediatric neurology, which is just one of many signals that the world is getting ready to really attack genetic epilepsies like our children have. So I want to thank uh, Kevin Fry, who is our legal director that is attending that meeting. He lives close to St. Jude and he was very gracious in attending that meeting on behalf of all the Syngap families. He's doing great work there I'm getting a lot of messages from people and from him and the people he's meeting. And thank you, Kevin, for representing SRF and Syngap-1 at that really important meeting. And thank you, Dr. Mefford, for your hard work on behalf of kids with epilepsy. Other data point around why we should be impatiently optimistic is that Praxis, who is one of the two companies that has a publicly named program on Syngap-1 right now announced that they're doing clinical trials on PRAX562. 562. PRAX562 562 is not a, disease, a drug for SYNGAP1. It's a drug for SCN2A and SCN8A. You've probably heard me talk about SCN1A, which is Dravet syndrome, but the other SCNs or sodium channelopathies um, are also very severe developmental epileptic encephalopathies. And um, it's amazing that Praxis is doing this for at least two reasons. First of all, it's a small molecule approach for multiple monogenic diseases. And we want Praxis to be successful because we want them to get better and better at doing trials for monogenic diseases like Zyngap1. And and we want our friends in the SCN2A and the SCN8A communities to get better drugs for their kids because right now they don't have any. and. We want Praxis to be successful and make lots of money. Why? Because then they can fund more trials like in Syngap-1, right? So we we are vested in Praxis's success. We're excited to hear about Praxis 562. That press release just came out yesterday. Go team. And small molecules, guys, are real. Remember, we announced a grant for Dr. David Bowie up up at McGill the other day, uh, a few months ago, actually. And that was in partnership with Overcome. So what you're seeing there that's exciting is that we are working closely with other Syngap groups in other countries. And Overcome Syngap is is a is a group in Canada that we're working with. And so Overcome and SRF co-funded this grant to Dr. Professor Bowie. And in addition to that, the Syngap families in Canada started raising funds for this grant. And they recently announced that they raised $40,000 in a couple of events for this grant. So thank you, Overcome. Thank you, Canadian families. And thank you, Dr. Bowie, for working on small molecules like the one that Praxis is also working on in the hopes that we can get a therapy for our kids. So keep going, team. Another reason we should be patiently optimistic is the conversation is getting a lot more... I'm sorry, impatiently optimistic. The conversation is getting a lot more interesting. So you've heard me talk about a lot of other diseases because the only way we can we can do this work effectively is by learning as much as possible and... Um, partnering with other effective high-functioning groups so there's another high-functioning group out there called stx bp1 you know you know me from t- you know about them because i've talked about them a lot in the context of dr prosser who's at penn working on asos for both stx bp1 and syngap one but there's another dad in that community they got really lucky with their dads um john oldenhoff who is a researcher and he his kid has stx bp1 and he shared a blog and it was just a really, really good blog um, on a couple levels. First of all, he talked a lot about um, Terry Joe Bichelle, who's the founder of Combined Brain that I'll talk about in a second. But he was very complimentary of Dr. Bichelle, and that's appropriate because she's amazing. And he also talked about, you know, being a dad at this meeting, and he has this, he has this great line. He's like, I felt like I was at the wrong meeting. I felt like I was presenting at a meeting on coughing while what I wanted to do was cure the cold right? And that's the same thing that we're feeling, right? We're like, we we talk to these neurologists and they want to talk about seizures and epilepsy. And we're like, wait, I want to cure SYNGAP1. Seizure and epilepsy are part of SYNGAP1, but there's also intellectual delay and sleep disorder and gastrointestinal and behavioral and God knows what else and all these things. And I want to cure SYNGAP1 that causes these things. I don't want to just cure this thing or that thing or that thing. And so, are, you know, are we having the same conversation? And I feel like the fact that Dr. Oldenhoff is now saying this out loud and, and more and more people are saying this, I finally feel like people are getting it and we should be impatiently optimistic that we're going to get it and we're going to work on it. But Dr. Oldenhoff makes two points I want to emphasize. He says, first, even small improvements are meaningful and will have a lifetime of impact, right? So he's he's reminding people here that therapies for our kids, even if they just target one thing or another could still be game-changing for us because those of us who were in the trenches raising kids with Syngap are really feeling I'm just i can tell you personally i'm really feeling the stress of dealing with all the things right now and it's a lot of work and that stress is greatly amplified by leaving for a week because it's just it's just stressful it's more burden from for our my wife and our caregivers who stay here and help with tony it, it's a lot of work when when someone steps away and then the second thing dr oldenhof says is second we need to be careful that we do not redirect re- Try again. We need to be careful that we do not reject drugs because we have not been clever enough to measure the drugs, the drug candidates meaningful effect. So in English, what that says is if we have a drug that works and helps, but we measure the wrong thing, the drug won't be approved and we won't get to give the drug to our kids. We need to understand our kids better to measure the right thing to help our kids as much as possible. And that's why everyone should sign up for Citizen. Over 190 people have signed up for Citizen. And if you're not one of them, sign up for Citizen. Get that data in the data set that pharma and researchers are using right now to better understand our kids so we can identify the right things to measure so we can do trials. Because guess what, goes? Trials are coming. Trials are coming. Small molecules like what Dr. Bowie is working on, like what Rare is working on. ASOs like what Dr. Prosser and Praxis and Stoke are working on. More sophisticated solutions, which others are working on, which you'll hear about next year. It's all coming. But we have to measure the right thing. And I think Dr. Oldenhoff's article here, the point is, is, is very well made and worth reading, and I'll share it in the show notes. I also want to make, make a couple of other comments about why we should be impatiently optimistic because as you remember from episode 83 where I talked about Stoke, we, things are getting real, right? Stoke's doing it for Drave and hopefully Syngap is the next CNS drug on their list. There were some interesting comments though about episode 83, and I want to share them with you and I want to respond to them because they're important and we got we to gotta get clear on this stuff, you guys. I, I know I'm moving fast, but there's just so much. There's just so much. So in episode 83, I talked about ASOs and we have to remember that there's three things that we're still figuring out. Dose, how much should we give? Interval, how often should we give it? And time on drug. Let's remember, this is not Tylenol, right? We're giving a drug that is making the that is making the good copy work harder, that is making more protein, that is filling in gaps in the brain. And therefore, it is logical that as we are on the drug for longer and we fill in more gaps, funct- there should be more and more positive response, right? This is kind of a, a different thought about how to think about medicine. But, but I, I clearly, maybe I overplayed that or was unclear, but some people said, um, I presume they will have to take this drug for the rest of their life. I'm so excited about this idea of time on drug. And somebody else said, I too thought an ASO would need to be taken for the rest of their life. Um, so this is an exciting thought. So obviously I was, I was confusing and I want to apologize for that. The idea about time on drug is that even after the first dose, if we see a benefit after the first dose, that's good news. And it's reasonable to, to hope, in patient optimism, it's reasonable to hope that after more time on more drug and more protein is made and more gaps are filled, there will be even greater improvement so the idea that instead of a drug having less effect over time, which we've actually come to believe, right? You take up Tylenol, you take more Tylenol, yeah, oh my gosh, I can't take enough Tylenol. You know, you give your kid a drug, after a little while it stops working. This is the opposite. The idea here is that with an ASO, after taking the drug more and more for longer and longer, you would actually have greater impact. It's a pretty exciting thought. But it is not the idea that after some time on drug, you'll, you'll just fill the gap and we're done. These kids have a lifetime of their brains being built badly. It's going to take a long time to fill those gaps. I think time on drug just means we can and should hope that ASOs will be more effective over time, not less. And the other thought I want to just to muddy the waters, in patient optimism, there are going to be multiple therapies that will come online in our kids' lives. And I don't think we should think about ASOs for the rest of their life. I think we should think about ASOs for a few years, once they come on, and then there'll probably be another medicine that might come on and be better still. But that's a whole other thought for another time. But I just wanted to comment on that because, and if you didn't watch episode 83, I'll put a link in the show notes, go watch episode 83. It was very good. Today is, by the way, is Giving Tuesday. I don't want to forget that people are giving funds. I want to thank everybody who's given. We've already raised a few thousand dollars today. Every dollar helps. Remember, SRF spends 100% of funds given on research because the founders cover all the overheads. So that's great. Other exciting news, Genomenon dropped a press release today um, and it's already in the press about a partnership with SYNGAP Research Fund, SLC6A1, and Combined Brain. On Genomenon is like an AI genomics company who is working on our genes in an effort to partner with pharma and to um, help pharma better understand the genetics of our disease. Why is this good news? It's good news because the genetics of our disease is really complicated. Right? I there's a I'm I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there, we're, we're currently considering proposals for grants from researchers to better understand the genetics so that when pharma recruits for trials they can recruit patients who will um, benefit most from the drug good way of saying it. So Genomenon being excited about saying, hey, we're working with Syngap and others on this is a, is a sign on the market that, hey, Syngap is ready for business. We have good partners. We have good intel. We are ready for your therapies to help our kids. Inpatient optimism, it's appropriate. And the, the other people in that is Combined Brain. I'm really, really proud of all of our partnerships, but I got to tell you, Combined Brain is one of the um, really outstanding organizations from 2022 that we have partnered with, and I'm really excited about everything that's coming from that, including this Genomenon partnership. So thank you, Terry Joe Bichelle, for including Syngap Research Fund and Combined Brain. We're really, really excited about that. More good news. So Spark. So you've heard me talk about Simon's Foundation. There's Simon's Foundation, which is this massive foundation that cares about autism, and they're amazing. And then part of that is Simon Searchlight, which we endorse. And then there's Autism Brain Net, which we endorse. And then there's Spark, which is testing for people with autism. So if you have autism, Spark will call you and say, hey, do you want to know the genetic cause? Let us give you free testing. God bless them. So Spark did free testing for one of our um, families. And that's how they found out they had Syngap. And they wrote this beautiful article about Heather and her family. And I really urge you to read it. Links in the show notes. And it's just great to see this press. And I think the thing I want you to take away from the two things I want you to take away. First of all, once Heather found out that her daughter had Syngap, she jumped in and has become a key part of the SRF team. We're grateful to Heather and I urge every family to consider jumping in. It's so good to have an active community. And two, it's never too late to get diagnosed. It's never too late to get diagnosed. I think what's important to remember in this story is that even though Michaela was diagnosed as an adult, once she got diagnosed, we were able to improve her care, we were, and, and now she's going to be eligible for all these therapies. So, um, and, and the reminder there is there's a lot of undiagnosed kids out there, and we're going to find them. We're going to find them, and that's what we're doing with, with our Probably Genetic Partnership, but that's a story for another time. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate your patience. I tried to talk fast, still took 14 minutes, and we'll see everybody on Thursday in Nashville. It's going to be amazing.